Hey everybody, welcome back to the Deck of Crotchety Things. I'm Faith. I'm Lewis. And today we're going to start getting you all familiar with the core classes of D&D 3.5. Yes. We've broken all the classes up into three broadish categories, and today we're going to be talking to you about the more martially minded ones. Yes. So if the word martial scares you, just think hacky, slashy, stabby, smashy. So there are four core classes and then a secret, super powerful fifth one. Secret bonus tool for later. Yes. Yes. A secret unlock level or something. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it's all part of the quest. already? Well, we are old. Yeah. And I am older than you, though not by much. So Scarcely. I know. Uh, so, uh, to... And women live longer than men, so I'm further through my life than you are. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, I'm pretty fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, going to start with the fighter. Now, yes. I like the fighter. The fighter is a really fun class. It's a pretty easy class. We talked about how the human was the default race last week. A fighter is basically the default class. You know, yeah, it doesn't have any inbuilt complexity. Yeah, it's not anything to write home about, but you can still have a lot of fun with it. So uh, we actually have a phrase in Great Britain, and we would liken him to Ron Seal. I don't know if you have that over stateside, but it's a stain for woodwork, like on your deck. Hmm. Uh, and the tagline of that company has been, does what it says on the tin. <laughs> well, the, the it's as advertised. Seal. I think that's yeah. I think that's basically what we would say in the states is it does as advertised. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you want a solid, I hit the thing and the thing typically dies. You'd want to play a fighter. As I said, they're they're not very exciting on first glance. By themselves, they kill pretty well, but they kill better when they work in a team. They Spoiler, are. Spoiler: most people. Yeah, except for serial killers, but you know that's a different class. I think. You have to go to DMG for that one. Yeah, exactly. So fighters, they fight. They're proficient with basically anything that goes stab, slash, and smash as far as a weapon goes. So swords, axes, maces. Basically, if they've heard of it, they can stab you with it. Yeah. Even if it's a bludgeoning weapon, like, they'll stab you with it. Though. <laughs> Although I think that's an exotic weapon proficiency, and you need a feat for that. The other thing that they are proficient in is all forms of armors and shields. So, you know, they can go in with sexy light armor and a big old mace, or they can go in looking like a tank with a big old shield and a big old axe and mess up your day. Good point there. Um, they are actually the only class which are proficient with the tower shield. Oh, yeah? Wait, really? Yep. Oh, that's right, because all the other classes that could use shields would have to take a feat for that which you know we'll get into those later but we are going to be touching on things like ability scores and feats just to get you kind of familiar when we actually get to covering those topics so yeah. specifically with the fighter their primary attribute is going to be strength strength determines their ability to hit something and how hard they hit it yeah There's... you can definitely supplant that with the dexterity but you still aren't following through that hit you have no strength right so but it's you can't kill people playing tag well i mean you can you just gotta tag them hard enough but that's, that's where the strength comes in yeah exactly and well and that's one of the nice things about a fighter with high decks though is that they would be able to use bows pretty effectively yep but uh ideally you're gonna want strength because you're a fighter and real fighters fight things toe to toe but yeah so yep. So speaking of strength, what would you say is the strengths of the fighter? Well, the strength of a fighter, I feel, lies in their ability to deal damage and also take a hit. Yeah, it's... they've got they've got that big old D10 hit die. Oh yeah, they got lots of health. Which is pretty chonky. Oh yeah. Chonky fighter can take damage, which means your backup is not going to be feeling the hurt. You are supposed to be the most threatening thing, you're the most threatening looking thing on the battlefield, so people are just like, oh, we need to kill him first. Yeah. Because if we kill him first, everybody else will run away, or everybody else will be easy to kill. So that's that's where the strength of the fighter lies, is in his ability to take hits and to deal damage. Now, So I, pretty straightforward then. Yeah. So, like, like I said, nothing to write home about. Um, out of combat, he doesn't really do much. He can intimidate things. 
Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, he can he can climb and and swim and he can jump and ride a horse maybe. Oh, he doesn't do much. He just kills things. That's the important thing about the fighter. He fights. Blunt instrument applied to face yes. repeatedly. Yes. As uh, as one of my friends put it uh, back when I was 12, this is how you play a fighter. I hit the dragon. You miss. I hit <laughs> the dragon. You miss again. I aim when I hit the dragon. All right. You hit it, but you don't do much damage. So. <laughs> oh, that is pretty typical. Yeah. <laughs> so I quite like the fact that fighters don't have an attached theme, such as most other ones have like a trope tightly attached like the studious wizard the religious um paladin the outland wildling ranger a sneaky rogue but fighters are pretty straightforward yeah so it kind of sounds like that's their trope is that they're tropeless like they don't need a trope to get shit done they just get it done because that's what they do but they're very much plug and play which is, you know, um, super handy for new players. Oh yeah, uh, give them a half-orc fighter and watch them go. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll play a couple of sessions of that and think, wow, this is great, let's try something else. Oh my god! <laughs> I just have to look at something and it dies! Yeah, I know, right? Is there any other features and functions of a fighter that you can think of? I mean, they get lots of bonus feats. Yes. That's... Uh, this is how you make it your own fighter. Normally you'd only get a feat every third level, as well as one at first level. And these let you add abilities, maneuvers, and all sorts of stuff. And the fighter gets bonus feats very regularly. So, if we say the Halfling Rogue at level 1, because I mentioned the Halfling Rogue before, he gets his level 1 feat. That's it. The Human Fighter at level 1 gets his level 1 feat, his Fighter level 1 feat, and his Human feat which is an insane number of feats for a first-level character. Yeah, I'll bet you two of them are left. <laughs> that was a terrible joke. That was bad. Two left feet. Uh, uh. I get it. Yeah, I know you get it. I'm just making I... sure the listeners get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're going to hate me. <laughs> if you make something enough time, it sinks in, it's fine. <laughs> So looking at the table, uh, table 3.9 for the fighter. In the player's handbook 3.5 edition. Yeah, 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 that. It's uh, page 39 for anyone who is looking for it. They get a bonus feat every other level. First level, they get a bonus feat. Uh, you know, because, you know, it's level 1. You don't want to start off with, you know, nothing. Second level, they get a bonus feat. And fourth level. So basically, every even number, you get a bonus feat. Every even number and first. Yeah, like you have more feet than you can shake a stick at. By it does, by it the does end. give you un, unrivaled freedom in character design, which is pretty sweet. But you just kind of have to know what you're doing, and that's that's why we're gonna be going over classes and feats and stuff later on too. Yeah. So who's next? I believe the list says barbarian, which is another fun one. Oh, that's that's my one. All right. So. We go up the complexity a little bit with the Barbarian here. So you take your basic fighter, and you give him an increase to his hit die. So he's now rolling his d12s, which is really chonky and uniquely chonky. There's no other base class that rolls that higher hit die. Yeah, that's beefy. Um, yeah. The Barbarian is very much like the fighter, in that he is just a big, healthy whacking stick. But he gets a fair few tweaks, including the hit die change. For starters, he's... Equally proficient with weapons, so again, if he's heard of it, he can hit you with it. However, he cannot use heavy armor efficiently, and he also can't use tower shields, so he's lighter than a fighter. Which is probably the trade-off for the hit die. You can be, you yes. can either have all of the health and some of the armor, or you can have all of the armor and not as much of the health. Yeah. Big features of the Barbarian is his fast movement. He gets a bonus 10 feet to his movement, which is an extra two squares. This is making your Dwarf normal people speed. Uh, this is making your Half-Orc twice as fast as a Dwarf. It's really cool, but you can only use it when you're wearing light or no armor, which, again, means that he's even lighter, 
but you get a bonus for being so, which is quite nice. You get some interesting things such as trap sense and uncanny dodge, which basically means that you're hard to surprise and ambush. And he gets his completely unknown, no one ever references this ability ever. He gets this thing called rage. Have you heard of rage? I've heard of rage. I have felt rage. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, this is the flagship ability of the Barbarian, to X times per day just hulk out, and hulk out you do. You get a bonus to strength and constitution equal to that of a second level spell, just instantaneously, number of times per day. And they're not spells, so they're not dispellable. Uh, the only way to dispel this ability is by knocking you out. <laughs> Here's a magic spell for you. Sleep. Um, Whack! <laughs> And this rage gets bigger and scarier and lasts longer as you level up, and you can do it more often as well. One of the other things I quite like about the Barbarian that doesn't get touched on so much is they have a damage reduction built into the class. By the time you are level 13, your chest muscles have the same damage reduction as adamantine full plate. Gives a whole new meaning to the word breastplate, doesn't it? It does. This starts... Uh, like seventh level so you know you're about a third of the way through the class at this point so it comes a little bit late in my opinion and it does do very little they're starting at a one and going down to a five reducing a damage by five at level 20 is not huge but it's not nothing right and for a freebie i quite like it they're also quite a bit of a skill monkey comparatively they get more skill points and more skills much like the fighter, they're good at climbing, crafting, handling animals, intimidating, jumping, riding, and swimming. But they also get the listen and survival skills, which is so weird the fighter doesn't get listen. And the fact that he doesn't get listen or spot is kind of worrying. That the, the fighters are just oblivious to the world around them most of the time. Well, it kind of makes sense because you're like most fighters are just like oh that's the thing over there that i need to kill that's true just with horse blinders on the side of his helmet just point me at the thing yeah you've played a couple of barbarians haven't you i have actually um one of my first characters was a rogue barbarian of all things we'll get into multi-class later people but yeah she was fun she met her untimely end at the hands of well rather at the jaws of a gray render oh yeah Oh, those, those things will get you. Oh, yeah. But she was she was fun. It was fun to have a sneaky character that could hulk out and mess things up. Oh, yeah. That I do not doubt. The other Barbarian oh. I played was actually 5th edition. So It's mechanically yeah. different, but thematically yeah. the same. Yeah, basically. She didn't see much combat, though. So there's that. Awesome. <laughs> I think um, I only played her for like two sessions. There is something in... Third edition that has subsequently dropped. Barbarians are illiterate as a base feature. However, you can basically buy off this ability, and it doesn't cost a lot either. It costs two skill points to not be illiterate, so it's not a huge tax. You can also buy it off by multiclassing to any other class, and you basically gain literacy. Now, I remember somehow. you telling me about a samurai that you had that you. Yes, I love discussed... your barbarian story. You need to tell it. Oh, the barbarian story. Specifically, <laughs> which one? So, theme-wise, barbarians are traditionally Conan. Big, dumb brute, swing axe, kill thing. But not only do I think Conan is actually a fighter, because if you watch the movies, he's actually not dumb. Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't understand science. That's fair to say. But I wouldn't describe him as big, dumb brute. Oh, definitely not. Some really good examples of barbarians... Barbarian conjures a, an image in your mind of wild savage, but you don't have to be a wild savage. You can just be a fierce fighter, a fierce warrior. And to that end, I quite like the Scottish Celts and the Norse Vikings as barbarian tropes. The Scottish Celts would run down the hill completely naked and the Romans turned around and went, you know what? We've conquered all of Europe, but these guys can just stay over there and then built a wall to keep us away. <laughs> it's kind of like that um, movie uh, Centurion. It was just great because like these Romans were running away from these woed barbarians and they get back to the border of like Rome territory proper and they see this wall being built and they're just like, that was his plan? <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant. 
because like when the Romans got this is a tangent, but when the Romans got there, they were this almost apex fighting military force of just research and science and development. They had big shield, good armor, a spear that couldn't be thrown back, and a good regiment of drilling. They get to Scotland, whose tactic was, I'm gonna strip bear and fuck that guy up. <laughs> and that guy would then be stood at the bottom of a hill and he'd see a hundred really angry drunk Scots running down the hill with their tally whackers whacking. And <laughs> I mean, as far as shock troops go, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty shocking, yes. So then I would say the Vikings, because they were very fierce fighters as well. They're not heavily armored. They come from a distant place, a mysterious place. It's not our place. That doesn't mean that they're wild savages, but they are exotic to us. So that was quite cool. But I have a totally not from China barbarian. I'm not actually trying to emulate anything. So I've kind of just melded all the tropes together. He's basically the only thing I had to do to the barbarian class to make it work for this character was I reflavored the word rage, not the mechanic, just the word rage to an aggressive stance. Which so when he goes into the aggressive stance, he's he loses a bit of his armor because he's trying harder to hit people. And I really quite liked him because it wasn't that he was illiterate, as the class says. It was that he spoke this foreign language and didn't speak yours. Yeah, so he was just illiterate in the language of the area he was in. Yeah, so he, he spoke foreign common, not local common. Which is pretty sweet. That's probably the most creative way I've heard of illiteracy being handled. He was also quite smart for a barbarian. This comes into a feat later um, that I'll describe, but um, basically I don't particularly like playing tropes per se. Sometimes tropes are absolutely fine and funny. Um, in fact, this morning I was playing a dragonborn dragon sorcerer in a one-shot and it was absolutely fine and fun and silly. But if I want to make a character, I want to make a, something interesting. So I, I generally have like reasonably intelligent barbarians. Mostly would be this quasi-samurai guy. And I'll be sharing with you guys at some point in the coming weeks a commission I've got done for my other barbarian, Pissly the Halfling. I love Pissly the Halfling. She isn't a great brute because halflings are small and have a penalty to strength and she's just a big ball of energy. She's, yeah, there's, yeah, she's just a fun character. Um, so I've got a commission of that and I'll be sharing that later because I really quite like this artist. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Once Pisley's artwork is done, I'm pretty sure Lewis is going to be posting it on our Twitter. So oh, yeah. check it out. And if you didn't listen to the first episode and you're curious about what our Twitter is, it's uh, at Grumpy Deck. Sponsored plug-in. Yay! Questions <laughs> about barbarians? Yeah, I think that wraps up barbarians. Let's do a quick recap. They're beefier fighters that can't wear heavy armor or use a sweet shield and can hulk out and get very scary. And eventually they get to a point where their muscles are just damage deflectors. Yeah, you can dress up however you like. These guys are brutes. They are just aggro and more aggro. They're just a lot of aggro stacked up on each other. Yeah, so basically if you see a fighter and a barbarian standing next to each other, um, the barbarian's going to be way scarier. Just throwing that out there. Next up is your rogue, I believe. Yeah, so I just want to take a moment here. In case you couldn't spot the difference, it tells you like I have kind of a loose grasp on how classes and 3.5 works, whereas Lewis is just kind of a... You know, he's a pro at this. I, I don't so. like the term pro, but... Okay, well, okay. I, he's... I've dedicated far too much of my life and free time to something that I don't monetize. Okay, so how about this? He's not a pro, he's a dedicated hobbyist. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> he did a way better job of explaining things, and he will probably be better at that until I get better at it. So. <laughs> I do like to cut that with having more rambles than make sense. Like this one time. <laughs> Which one time? <laughs> well, it was this one time that wasn't like that other time. <laughs> but that may have been the the third time. Oh, I'm losing track now. <laughs> it was probably the fourth time. Speaking of tangents, let's get onto the rogue. Okay. <laughs> so rogues are quite different to the marshals that we've discussed so far. Yes. Rogues... Um, most people probably wouldn't actually call rogue a marshal, but this is loose grouping. Please don't sue us. Yes. We basically lumped it together. Are you primarily going to be doing melee or magic kind of thing? Rogues aren't inherently magical a class, so that's why they're lumped in with the martial group. Rogues tend to rely more on dexterity, so they're small and quick, like the halfling rogue. They get a ton of skills. 
you know how spiders get feats and not a lot of skills? Rogues get skills and probably not as many feats. Oh, they get a fair few extra feats as well. Oh, yeah. Starting well, at 10th level. So, these guys, they're skill monkeys. They've got things like bluff and climb and crafting and disable device and, you know, basically sneaky type things. Searching, sense motive... Slide I think you'll hand. find that they have less than five skills not on their class skill list. There's very few that they don't have. Right. If you were to take a look at a 3.5 character sheet and check off your class skills, it would be most of the page. It and... is way quicker just to tick the ones that you don't have. Yeah, exactly. Rogues are proficient with all simple weapons, and they are also proficient with crossbows rapiers, small explosives like saps and short bows, and a short sword. Ah, saps aren't sapping equipment. Oh, they're not? No, sap is just a leather club. It's a blackjack. Man, and here I was However, getting excited to play a rogue. Damn. However, I kid you not, the thrown splash weapons, such as alchemist fire and acid flask and such stuff, are utterly filthy with rogues, and we can go into that later because it's, it's mechanical sin. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> But they make amazing sappers, even if they're using a sap. Nice. All right. So, okay, so faith is restored here. And they are proficient in uh, in light armor, but not shields. So As long as you're here, we always have faith. Oh, god damn it. Did I make... <laughs> I swear it's genetic. I'll make, I make bad jokes all the time. Can't be helped. As far as uh, cool things that rogues get to do, you know, class features. Sorry, just to just go back to proficiency there. So they've got the basic tools and a couple of toys, as opposed to the barbarian and the fighter who get, if they've heard of a tool, they can hit you with it. Yes. Rogues are you a little more specialized, one. to put it simply, I think. That is very accurate. So they can get up close and stabby, slashy, smashy you, or they can do it from far away. Other fun things that they get to do is they get a sneak attack. Yes. Which flagship skill. Yes. That like flagship feature. You can't Sorry. you can't have a rogue and not think sneak attack. Like and this is pervasive in uh, MMOs and basically everything else. It's like it's quintessential roguiness. If you are a rogue and you are not using sneak attack, are you even a rogue? No, you're not. So <laughs> So how sneak attack works is it has to work under certain conditions where the opponent can't defend themselves. So if the opponent is engaged with, say, the fighter and the rogue comes up on the left, the rogue is yeah. effectively flanking the opponent and they are not able to defend themselves. We'll get more into flanking later. But basically there's a list of conditions and if you meet any of those conditions, the rogue gets her little sneak attack bonus. Yep, and it only goes up from there. So you get an extra 1d6 of damage at first level. It increases by 1d6 every two levels after that, which is sweet. Unfortunately, if you manage to land a critical hit on a sneak attack, the extra damage isn't multiplied, but the base damage is. Yes, that is a huge difference between 3-5 and 5e. 5e multiplies all the dice, and 3-5, the weapon is multiplied, and then you add the sneak attack on top. But you can also sneak attack multiple times in a turn, so like, it's kind of balanced out, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if maybe that's the reason they just multiplied all the dice. It's just it's under the assumption that you're just going to be sneak attacking every, you know, with yeah, every Yeah, I don't action. really want to get into 5th edition mechanics right now. Yeah, good point. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> so Since we're avoiding the 3-5 ones, too. Yes. So... Other things that rogues get to do is they get to find traps. If yeah, this is an unsung hero ability, by the way. Yeah, no, trap finding is super, super handy. You go into a dungeon, you can assume there's traps, and typically you don't want to find it by, you know, triggering it. You want to send your rogue ahead and be like, ah, uh, yeah, you know, don't step on this tile. It's gonna impale you with a uh, with a spear coming from the other yep. end of the hall. So uh, yeah, basically anyone can find a trap. Like, if there's a pit trap in the roadway, anyone can find that. What trap finding does for rogues is that that allows them to find very well hidden traps. Specifically, anything with a DC of 20, I believe, or above, which means a very well concealed pit trap the rogue will find. The ranger will fall in that hole. 
the fighter will be confused why he has to knock hit points off. But I think all magical traps fall into this category of over tw DC 20. If you're in a dungeon and you don't want to accidentally step on the flagstone that casts Fireball, you want a rogue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Because need... no one else can, even on a natural 20, they can't find this thing. Hard-coded rule. Yep. Oh, and here's a little snippet from the book is rogues and only rogues can use disable device uh, to disarm magic traps. And a magic trap generally has a DC of 25 and up. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, it's 25 plus the level of the spell used to create it. We'll look into that as well at some point, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Rogues also get evasion where they can avoid magical or unusual attacks with great agility. And on a successful save she doesn't take the full damage so y'all know the meme jesus saves and takes half damage comes from the rogue i've never heard this meme you've never heard this meme yeah oh my never gosh this is definitely a culture gap <laughs> i'm actually kind of surprised that you hadn't heard this one other class features of the rogue they also gain trap sense which is pretty fun where they just get an intuitive sense that alerts them to the dan to danger from traps, uh, giving them a bonus on a reflex save. Ah, yes, this is another thing that the barbarians get. Yeah, trap sense is pretty handy. Uh, they also barbarians get... can't find traps; they just get in the way. Yeah. <laughs> There's uncanny dodge, uh, which allows uh, the rogue to react to danger before their senses would normally allow them to do so. They retain their dexterity bonus to their armor class, so. Even if she's caught flat-footed, uh, she'll, yeah. Yeah, she'll, she, she won't die instantly. Mostly because rogues don't have a lot of health. They don't get a lot of armor. You know what their hit die oh. is? It's a d6. Oh. Yeah. They so we've actually made a decent um, trend here. We started with the fighter who was pretty tanky and whatnot. The barbarian who was a little bit lighter equipped. And now we've got the rogue who's the lightest equipped. Oh god, this trend continues. Yeah. You know, so she's a nimble little skill monkey. Yeah. You know, they get uncanny dodge and improved uncanny dodge where they can't be flanked after they a while. They don't uncanny it's, ways. Yeah. It's, they're just like, oh, you think you've got me. Well, you don't because I just did a really cool backflip. So I, I mentioned actually in the last video that they have a very strong trope, which is the halfling thief. Oh, you mean the halfling rogue starter package? Th yeah. Um... <laughs> The bonuses of being a halfling and the and the abilities of the rogue just mesh so well together. And there are hundreds and thousands of Frodo Daggins and Largo Baggins and just littering the place and perfectly fine. But it, this is definitely a me thing. I definitely like seeing counter tropes and just outside the box thinking. One more thing to note about rogues is that their attacks are typically based off of dexterity rather than strength, but damage is still based off of strength. So while they will be quick to hit something, it's not going to be particularly strong. I would say maybe just kind of think of like a little kid just beating their fists on you. They're just flailing, but it doesn't really do much. I mean, it kind of hurts after a while, but it's not... Yeah, but thank God they haven't... Those are, those are halfling barbarians. Yes. <laughs> it can also just depend on how you build your rogue. Just looking at the skill list, I would say rogues are more of an out-of-combat class, but there's enough customization in Dungeons & Dragons to make them not useless in combat. And I know that there are plenty of people that know how to make their rogues way better in combat than out. Like my that that might be why I have such an issue with what you just said. Okay, what, what's your issue? <laughs> if, if you get a rogue in combat to be efficient, it's utterly disgusting. Because, <laughs> yeah, we went over it quickly that crits don't mean anything for you, mm -hmm. but you don't care about the crits. It's all about those 5d6 extra every time you hit someone. This is one of the counter tropes I did for my rogue. He was a human, so already I'm not doing the small thing. And he had a billhook, which was a reskinned guizarm. That's a word that I don't know how to pronounce. Oh, guizarm? Guizarm? Guizarm. Guizarm. Ukipolarm. <laughs> yeah, and he had a medium armor as well, because I kind of 
didn't have the decks on the build. So you've got a medium armored, great weapon using person, and he looks nothing like a rogue, but he was one of the most filthy rogues I've ever played. <laughs> um, another one was um, a multi-class with a monk. I took one level of monk and then did the rest rogue, and he was just a judo chopping machine. Well, and speaking of monks, that's a great segue into the next class. Oh, yay. <laughs> yes, I've been given the monk, which has never once been awkward. Never once has it in the 20 years of D&D 3rd edition has it been argued about. It's perfectly straightforward and doesn't have any confusing elements to it, except for the entire class. I was going to say, the sarcasm is strong with this one. So I do love the monk, actually. I've recently started a ninth level game with a bunch of friends and the players is playing a monk, and they are absolutely terrifying machines. But the power curve in the game is a bit against them. So monks and rogues both get what's called a three-quarters base attack bonus advancement. This means that they're okay in combat. They're okay at hitting stuff. Fighters and barbarians, they get full base attack bonus, so they're very good at hitting stuff. The real strength of the monk that I've come to discover is that they don't care. You go to attack them, you miss them. You try to poison them, you don't. You try to pin them down, they run away. You try, you just try things after things after things. They, they just don't care. Most classes have what's known as good saves and bad saves of the three saves. So the fighter and the barbarian both have good fort saves, which mean they're very healthy, but their reflex save and will saves are both pretty poor. And those are their dodging finesse and their mental willpower, respectively. Very simple. The monk doesn't have bad saves. All his saves are good. They are combat monsters. They've got a DA hitch die, which is pretty low for a martial character. The rogue's okay because you're not meant to see him. But the monk kind of needs to be close to things to get to use his trademark skill, which is the flurry of blows, which is their ability to just hit you more times than makes sense. For example, at level 20, a normal person with a three quarters base advance bonus gets three attacks as a full round action. Not these guys. These guys are getting five. What? Because go away. <laughs> this ability is coupled in with their base unarmed damage. For everyone else, it is 1d3 points of non-lethal damage, which is light bruising. Non-lethal damage recovers at 1 per hour per hit die. So a level 3 character will heal 3 non-lethal damage in an hour. So if you ever get into a bar brawl, you get punched one in the, once in the face at level 3, you'll be fine in yeah. an hour. And this damage doesn't stack with lethal damage either, it's a separate damage track. But the monk, it starts off as a d6 and it's got the option of being lethal which is astounding. And this number just goes up and up and up until eventually you're getting 2d10 punch damage. Oh my god. Which is kind of insane. Yeah, just, just yeah. a little insane. The guy I've got with using the monk at the minute, he's doing some fancy stuff with the enlarge person spell so that the d10 that he would normally get when he punches someone is actually 2d8. Oh my god. Yeah, it, it's pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. I absolutely fucking love it. And he has the highest AC in the group, despite the fact the monk gains proficiency in no armor. So you know how the rogue got simple weapons and some special stuff? Yes. Well, the monk only gets special stuff. And it's a bit of a headache to get your head around, but they get specifically the club, crossbow, light and heavy, dagger, hand axe, javelin, kama, nunchaku, quarterstaff, sai, shuriken, shayam... Don't know how to pronounce that one. I think it's a Sam. Um, I have no idea. And the sling. The monk is not proficient with any armor or shield. And in fact, just using them makes your monk less great for their other abilities. Well, that's odd. Why has the monk got such a high AC if he's not proficient with any armor? It's because monk says no. Yeah, pretty much. They get a bonus to their AC determined by their level, which is just a flat bonus to your AC, just because you're not wearing clothes and you're a monk. Well, you're not wearing armor. It's not that you're naked, it's, the, it's just you're not wearing armor. And also because your internal zen-like control, you can also add your wisdom modifier to your AC as well as your dex modifier. So yeah, he's got a really high dex, he's got a really high wisdom, and he's got a couple of other tricks and sticks hanging on there, which is really interesting. 
Monk actually... basically says talk to the hand and deflects your um, attack. Yes. Um, so his AC is really high, but because of that low hit die, he did get hit once and nearly died. Oh my god. <laughs> at level 9. Oh, well, he got hit geez. twice, but one of them was a crit, so yeah. okay. Yeah, I was going to say, was one of those a crit? Because that doesn't seem right. Well, it was an ogre zombie, so it was oh. quite a lot of damage. Yeah, that would do it. Ow. In his own words, he describes it as being tent pegged. Ow. But yeah, so they get some martial tricks in addition to just being able to punch people extra hard. So at first level, they get the choice between either the improved grapple or stunning fist ability, which is a really cool ability, which lets you just stun and later kill someone with your fist. You punch them and sometime in the next week, you just decide, okay, yeah, the vibrations I put in your sternum last week, yeah, they, they give you a heart attack now. And Damn. You just die. Damn. You, you get a fort save when they apply it and then you die when they choose that's messed up it kind of weird i can almost see a crime lord being a monk and doing something like that and just holding that as like collateral over you or maybe yeah. not collateral but like blackmail material like hmm, yeah so you don't do this thing that i want you to do well looks like you're gonna have a heart attack in a month yes sorry i, I did make a slight error there it's the quivering palm class feature not the stunning fist feature the quivering palm is a 15th level feature thank goodness <laughs> once per week she can make the attack roll many things are immune because critical hits are much less common well they happen more often but there are many creatures that ignore them entirely if the monk strikes successfully and the target takes damage from the blow the quivering palm attack succeeds thereafter the monk can try and slay the victim at any time as long as the attempt to made is within a number of days equal to your monk level. And you get this at 15th, so Jeez. two weeks later. Yeah, holy moly. Uh, to make such an attempt, the monk merely wills the target to die. Oh, and then they make the save. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But still, though. So you punch them, and they're, they're now a live grenade. Yeah, so it's like a just a little time bomb there. What else is crazy fun about monks? Everything. So they've got the ability Purity of Body, which just makes them immune to diseases. They just don't care. Uh, they also get the fast movement ability, not like the Barbarian. What? The Barbarian gives you a flat plus 10 at level 1. The Monk's one is a lot slower burning. Oh boy. But by level 20, you're getting a bonus 60 to your movement. What? Is that even necessary? No, it's really not. <laughs> the, the Monk in my game has tweaked some things to lower his speed so that he's only as fast as the cheetah. He's only as fast as a cheetah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That's not ridiculous at all. Yep. Totally not annoying. <laughs> um, also, if you're within arm's reach of a wall as you fall, you can slow yourself. You can ignore so much of the fall. And I think at level 20, you can just go to the, the Grand Canyon, put your finger on the side and just jump. Oh my gosh. And you'll be perfectly fine. You'll get you'll get to the bottom and you'll have parkoured your way perfectly down. That's ridiculous. Somehow it doesn't surprise me they would probably they probably have some way of jumping across the distance while they're parkouring their way down. Well, yes, they do. It's called that plus sixty movement. I kinda hate that. <laughs> uh, how how wide is the, the actually that, that's to be fair, it's really fucking wide, isn't it? How wide is it? Uh let me check. Go on American. <laughs> know the one thing about America that everyone else is vaguely aware of. Okay. The Grand Canyon is 18 miles wide, a mile deep, and 277 miles long. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking about several hundred feet, so no. Okay. With the run feet, you can make a full round run, which lets you move 450 feet in a turn. But it has to be in a straight line. And if you jump, you get a plus four to your jump for every 10 foot above 30 feet oh that gosh. your base speed is. So when you've got your plus 60 there, that's 6 times 4, 24. You're getting a plus 24 on your d20 roll, plus your strength and your 20 levels of ranks. Oh my god. So you're looking at rolling something like a d20 plus 50. That's ridiculous. Oh, and we haven't even talked about magical items. Oh no. <laughs> and there's spells as well. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that's definitely going down the technical route. And I remember the monk player turned to me and went, I can afford the Boots of Haste, but I shan't be buying them because that's just too much. <laughs> they also have really useful ability that my friend discovered, the Wholeness of Body feature. This just lets them heal themselves. They just refuse an injury 
it's a really small hit pool, but it's free healing, so don't knock it. Yeah, seriously. Um, they also get the same sort of evasion abilities as the rogue does. If a fireball happens, the rogue and the monk are likely unscathed. Oh, yeah. Later on, the monk gained diamond body, which is when she goes, Hey, you remember how I didn't like diseases? Well, now I don't like poisons. <laughs> poisons are for wimps. And that's a sobering moment. Yeah. Let's see what happens next. Oh, at level 12, so the next level, you can cast Dimension Door on yourself. Uh, Dimension Door is a spell where you can do a short-range teleport. You pop out of one space and appear in the other. So you but, get your... But how? What? <laughs> yep, and you just... Why? Appear 400 feet somewhere else without having to do at, anything for at it. At that point, do you even need your silly plus 60 movement? Oh, well, so the fact you could do both. You can move 90 feet and then do Dimension Door. My head hurts. Lewis, why? Because <laughs> monks. Why? <laughs> Then they get their diamond soul ability. No. Um, Bell resistance. No. <laughs> yes, they turn around and say, "You know what? You know how I don't like diseases. I don't like poisons. Well, now I don't like spells." And no. Like, not all spells care if you have spell resistance, but all the ones that do, such as fireball, the caster has to make a check to see if he's good enough to hurt you. <laughs> and then you get all good saves. <laughs> So you'll probably pass whatever save he wants from you, or he'll have to hit your AC, which is going to be ridiculous. This is like Monks, a... It's they, like... At level 17, they refuse time. No. They stop aging. No. <laughs> what else? I, just, I can't say. I've looked this high. Um, also at level 17, you can speak with any living creature. You refuse language barriers. Oh my god. It's just... I feel you like... find yourself in this long-forgotten temple filled with the Scrags, the the, oh. the regenerator race of Scrags, the aquatic troll types, and they're speaking a very ancient form of giant. Oh, I know that one. So monks are basically just kids who are just like, no, no, I don't want this. I don't want that. Better. No, no. At 19th level, <laughs> they refuse matter. And what? can turn ethereal. At level what? 19, they assume an ethereal state for one round per monk level per day. Oh. So that's a minimum of 19 times per 19 rounds per day. They just become a ghost because existing in physical space is too mainstream. Oh my god, they're hipsters too. And at level 20, they refuse to exist as a normal creature and they become an outsider oh and they gosh. ignore the first 10 damage from a non magical source as they instantly regenerate the damage taken, because... Uh... Lewis, you're making my head hurt. You're making monks sound like the perfect class to play now. So, to... The most yeah, powerful give, class give to this play. Good, could you give this a good edge, then? Yeah. The monk has all the bells and whistles on a very high shelf. At level 20, you're getting all these cool things where you can be a ghost and kill people a week later and... Do all this sort of weird stuff, and at level one, you're a naked man with a club. So you're basically that naked barbarian, essentially. No, the barbarian. Except, has except, more hit except you're not as good as the barbarian. You're like yeah, the barbarian's stepbrother. There's an NPC class. So there's NPC classes as well that we're not really going to go into because these are specifically not for most players, and they're all really powered down. There is an NPC warrior race, which is like fighter, except it's D8s. And it doesn't get the feats. Otherwise, it's pretty much the same. A level one monk is worse than one of those guys. Yeah. Because I'm... those guys can still wear armor. I'm looking at the flurry of blows attack bonus. It's negative two, negative two. You don't start not sucking yeah. until third level. So you can go up to that goblin and you can either punch him once at a zero or you can punch him twice at minus two. It's a thing. So basically playing a monk is becoming a monk as a practice in discipline and patience. Oh, yes. And in fact, one of their big things is that they have to be lawful. You know, I'm actually kind of digging the monk now, because that sounds arduous and, yeah. and fun at the same time. But when you get your toys, they are the best toys. They are so good. However, there's as many roadblocks, and I think we did definitely get a little bit overly technical with the monk there, but there's many even more technical things that say no to your no-saying monk. But in principle, they are a pretty good second fighter. Second martial uh, character, in my opinion. You should have a fighter or barbarian as your first. 
than a monk, maybe. Because the monk can also do some of the lighter work, the, the light-footed work, like a ranger, who we'll talk about later, and rogues can. They have no armor, so they look pretty unassuming, which is pretty nice for roleplay. And they have a bunch of skills, like just so many skills. But not as many as the rogue. No one gets as many as the rogue. <laughs> But yeah, you get some really useful ones like Escape Artist and Hide, Listen, which is always useful, uh, Move Silently, which is always going to be useful, Spot, so few people get to Spot, and Tumble. Tumble is a skill that I really love. Tumble but is But it's great. horrendously mechanical. Basically, you just backflip and say, nope. And this is all the monk my friend has been doing this whole bloody time. He's been abusing the Tumble rule and why not? Because Tumbling, you roll. You do a little combat roll and you ignore attacks of opportunity, but you only move at half speed. What a horrible shame that he's only moving 50 feet a turn. Oh my god. <laughs> he does a combat roll and he moves faster than everyone else in his race. It's ridiculous. I love monks. <laughs> I, I love monks too. They are ridiculous. They are... Um, def they, the power curve hates them. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. So, um, do we have time for the super secret fifth? Yeah, we've got time for the super secret fifth. What's the super secret fifth? Oh, the super secret fifth is actually my favorite class. Oh, right. oh, I gotta know. What is it? It's the fighter. What? Yes. But we just <laughs> but we went over at the beginning that this this class has nothing to write home about. Come on. This is the class that you bring home to mama. No need to write about it. So as we did say, it gets basically all the proficiencies in weapons and armor. A stonkingly good D10 hit dice. He only gets a few skills each level, and he only gets a few skills to choose from. But it's these bonus feats that let you choose your character. You can do something really nice and easy for a nice starting level character, like giving them plus one to hit, and plus three hit points, and a plus four to initiative rolls. Those are super easy feats. But you can go far deeper with that. You can make a fighter that trips things. You can make a fighter that intimidates people. I specifically said... If the fighter or the barbarian has heard about it, they can hit you with it. Because there's three classes of weapons. There's your simple, your martial, and your exotic. And exotics are weird. And your fighter can quite happily take... Most people don't take exotic weapon fighting uh, focus and skills and whatnot because it's costing a feat. But you're getting free feats. So you can get these exotic weird weapons, such as the Bastard Sword, which is the mechanical equivalent of a claymore or a katana. It's does way more damage than a long sword. It's not as good as a great sword, but you can hold it in one hand when you're proficient with it. And then you can get all these cool fighter feats. There are feats that are specifically only for fighter. Everyone can get the plus one to hit feat, which is pretty cool. Only fighters can get the plus two to damage with the same weapon feat. And there's improved versions of these, which also are only for fighters, where they get plus two to hit with that weapon and plus four to damage with that weapon. Then you've got your improved criticals. So instead of critically, critically threatening on a 19 or 20 with your longsword, it's a 17, 18, 19, 20. So four times out of 20, you roll that dice, you might have just crit the thing you hit. Oh and you God. likely hit him. And then you likely confirm hitting him because you have a high base attack bonus. So it's... And it gets really silly and awesome. So it's like... Because we, we touched on how uh, humans are the default class that don't get any like pluses or minuses, but they have the most potential to do anything. Fighter is also that class, which is pretty sweet. I actually didn't know that much about the fighter-specific feats with the you know added crit, which... No, that's not a fighter-specific feat. Oh, it was just the add to hit and add to damage, but the increased crit is one that very few people get to take. I get to take or choose to take because I feel like both. Ah, uh, I feel like if if it gives you a bigger crit window, you should take it because crit. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> See, that's the thing. If you're only getting one feat every three levels, that's your feat. So you've got six levels between when you last chose something and when you next choose something because you chose this feat now. Whereas the fighter is getting a feat basically every turn, which is utterly disgusting. I think it's, I'll have to count, but I think at level six, you have more feats as a human fighter than a normal level 20 character. I think I did the math on that once. I think it was something like 18 feats. I might have done the math incorrectly, though. It was a while ago. But... 1, 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, 18. That's 7. 1, 2, 4, it's 10, 11. 
So 18, 19 human fighter at level Jeez. 20. Jeez, that's a lot. <laughs> so. And everyone else has seven. Yeah, so fighters, everybody. You can make your fighter your own so easily. You can trope it to be boring because that's what everybody says. Or you can crit like a madman and use... You can, you can do or... so much awesome stuff. Oh man, fighters. The, super, the super secret fifth class. All the mounted combat feats are fighter bonus feats. Oh my god. The fighter class bonus feats only let you choose from a smaller pool than all of them, which is fine. But you can make so many different fighters. You can make winged hazards, you can make shield and spiel masters, you can make your bloody weeby katana-wielding samurai master, I don't know. Weeby katana-wielding samurai master. <laughs> yes. You can make anything. Any fighter you can make with the fighter class. Basically, if it kills, you can make it, and that's that's one of the great things about fighter. If it's boring, that's your fault. This is <laughs> just saying, yeah, everybody. This is, this is a thing that ties into the first episode where it's just concentrating on your own thing. If you give fighters the time of day to really look at them, you can do a fair bit. They're, they're never considered top tier characters, but that's like mechanical min maxing and whatnot. And I don't really go in for all that myself. Yeah, neither do I. Um, it, it's totally fine. It's just not really for me. But just the sheer variety of your fighting ability and then you can start doing weird stuff with items in combat and you just become a genuine force to be reckoned with. A barbarian is pretty predictable. You can do some weird stuff with it. But if you've got two fighters that are the same, you have made them that way. Yep. Think of the potato. How many different things can you make out of a potato? You can make french fries. You can vodka. make vodka. You can make mashed potatoes. You can make salt potatoes. You can make potato soup. You can make hash browns. Baked potatoes. Baked potatoes. potatoes roasted roasted potatoes. potatoes. Vodka. Yeah, vodka on the list again, but only because Lewis wanted it there twice. <laughs> vodka. <laughs> Think of your fighter as a potato. He can be a potato or he can be a glorious bottle of vodka or french fries. I quite like french fries. So do I. So I think that wraps everything up nicely. Uh, next week, we'll be covering the magical classes. We'll touch on arcane and divine magic and fun stuff like that. But yeah, um, let us know what your favorite class is from the marshals and whatnot, or just in general. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're going to be going over all of these this is going to be like a three-part segment, essentially. So, yeah. All right. So we will see you guys next week, and uh, have a great have a great week. And uh, yeah, drop us a yes, line um, if you have any and questions. Yes, come out just after Easter, so I hope you all had a good one. Oh yes, happy Easter, belated Easter. I hope yes. you ate lots of chocolate and got yourself sick. <laughs> that, that's not my plan. It's my plan. No, it totally is my plan. Yes. If, if getting sick off of chocolate on Easter isn't your plan... Um, I'm going to eat a lot of chocolate and then play Traveler. That's that's my plan. That's the best plan. Yeah. All, right. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good one, right. everybody. Ciao. Bye.